0: Welcome back for week two of our read-along series. Thank you so much for joining us for week two. Um, this is one of my favorite chapters because I love the discussion of worldview and what is happening within our culture. And I think it's super important. Um, ben and I both work with children and youth. Mm-hmm. And so we are seeing kids being raised, and we were raised in an individualist society like no other, um, where iPhone was the language and the branding. Yeah, Everything is about having the world in your hand, in the world that you get to determine the reality of. And so, Ben, I would just want to launch off this. What were some of your thoughts and takeaways or challenges from this chapter?
1: Yeah, I really appreciate this chapter because it took us, a, it took a step back in this whole debate and say, hey, where does this all come from? Where does this all, what, what stream is this down from? Um, and this comes back to the rise of individualism in our culture. And so the rise that it's all about self-autonomy. It's all about me, myself, and I. Mm. And then there's the rise of objective, the fall of objective truth and the rise of just personal preference um, and what my truth is, not what the truth is. Yeah. And so we see that, um, he says in page 26— so where does this leave us? With ourselves as individuals, if we think that truth is subjective, then we certainly won't let any external authority tell us what to think or how to behave, whether that's government, a religion, or our family. And so if truth is subjective, right? So if there's no more objective truth, there is no more moral right and wrong that's over everybody, that everybody must fall under, and it's subjective. It's up to each of our individual basis. It leads us at this place that, well, you build your own life. It's like you pull out the pieces of your life and you're building a Lego, a Lego land of yourself. Like you're building your own world, your own right and wrong. And we see transgenderism as a part of that Lego land.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's super helpful. I think when reading this chapter, one of the biggest takeaways is the highest cultural value of today is autonomy and authenticity. Mm-hmm. And I see that like weaved in. I even see it weaved in within my life of like showing up as my authentic self. Yeah. Um. And I think there are both like notes of truth and notes of deception in both of those things. Yeah. Um, like the call to the Christian is to value others more significant than ourselves yeah. and to be committed to a kind of unity that the world doesn't understand yeah. within the heart of the church. And so it, it really battles against some of those identities um, when you think about objective truth and how the believer starts conversations from there, why do you think this issue is so challenging?
1: Yeah. Without objective truth, there's no there's no common ground to which we can have conversation. It, it literally puts us in two different worlds. It puts one of us is underwater and and living underwater and one's living on ground. Like it's, there's not this place for conversation because objective truth, there's a, if there's a common ground of objective truth. You can fight for objective truth. You can figure out what does objective truth say? Christians can even reason with non-believers saying, hey, look at this, look at this. But when that's gone, then you, you're starting at a place of just totally different worlds where you're almost overwhelmed and taken back um, just by the differences and you can just be pushed away from the other person and feel in shock of what do I even say. You, you don't even believe in truth. You don't even believe in right and wrong. Yeah. How can I say something's bad? We don't, we just, Oh, that's subjective. That's your own opinion.
0: Yeah. And when self-expression is higher than a common moral ground, we see in this world, like a customization, mm. a customization of like terms, new terms are being coined yeah. and produced right now at a rate that feels Pretty jarring. Yeah. Um, even um, psychologists and psychiatrists are like, they're who are they're trying to keep up. They're trying to keep up with what um, culture is saying. They they made this interesting note about Facebook. Yeah, that Facebook had like seventy three different um, identities, and eventually they just like gave up and like put cust- like it was a custom thing that you could put your own stuff in. They're like, we don't even you do you like we're not figure out we're, your th- yeah figure yeah. out your thing. And I think that really speaks to something. Yeah, of like oh man, we are trying everything. Yeah. To make ourselves unique, to make ourselves like perfectly expressed. Yeah. Um, and to what end I think is important.
1: Yeah. And in some way, we're on all honest, we are all guilty of this. Like every our culture is about this and we all fall short of this. We all try to make our way as well. And then this is that this is a more extreme version of that. Um and the thing is it's it's dangerous. And it's it's and it's hurting. It's a cancer, in terms of because how God has made us. God has made us to fall into the into and live in the world that He has made. So He made order and He made reason and He made a, a system and a world, and that is good to fall into it. That the rules that 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 bind us are good, and life is flourishing when we are within those when we're within those rules. And so, an illustration I also often give with this, um, especially to young adults and to youth, is like think about a game of basketball. Right, I love basketball, but in basketball, once people stop playing by the rules, the game gets really bad.
0: Yeah, and not fun.
1: It's not fun. Like you need to have like the out of bounds. Like once you can start, and once you can pick up the ball and just run down the court, or just people just start shooting half court shots and throwing over, and it just like once the rules fall the game becomes its own thing. Hmm. And, that, and that's why like, we have to understand like, the, the rules, if you want to call that, the, the way, the worldview that God has instilled is for the flourishing of our life. And so in the, as basketball, the rules of the game of basketball are for the flourishing of the game of basketball. Yeah. And, the, and the, so what we're seeing now is that it's not even about like changing the rules and bending the rules a little bit. It's taking a basketball and going on a, a soccer field and saying, hey, how can I play basketball here? Yeah. How can I play basketball? How can I, this is what I really want to do. Bas- I want to play basketball, but this is a soccer field. Yeah. How do I make this work? And yeah. um, what we see statistically is that it, it doesn't work. Yeah. It's, it doesn't fill that hole that so many long to fill.
0: Yes. And, and in this conversation, um, things get really heightened around medical yeah. intervention mm-hmm. and they get really heightened around um, hormone intervention. Mm-hmm. And so we even are seeing um, changes within the psychiatric community between the DSM, what the DSM said in 1997 versus what the DSM says in uh, 2013, which is a big deal. It's a huge book to be edited. So like being edited within 20 years is like still makes sense. Yeah.
1: Um, For those who don't know, what's the DSM?
0: The DSM, now you're going to make me pull up the reference of what it is specifically. It is the U.S. Diagnostic of Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Okay. And so it is like What things are called within the psychiatric community to say, hey, if someone has gender dysphoria, this is what that means. If someone has bipolarism, this is what that means. If someone has depression, this is what that means. That make sense? Yeah. And so, yeah, thank you for putting me on the spot there. Um, And one important quote that I think really challenged me is there was a man who was one of the pioneers of um, gender transition surgery. Yeah, and he, Johns Hopkins. Yeah, he makes this point. He said, I conclude to provide surgical alterations to the body is unfortunate for people was to collaborate with a mental disorder rather than to treat it. Wow. And so the conversation comes of like the solutions to having gender dysphoria. The solutions have been uh, very scary sometimes. Um, and those solutions have not always provided mental clarity yeah. or healing within the mind, which was the which was the desire. The desire is to deal with the distress that a person is experiencing. yeah. Um, and so I think that is important for the Christian to grapple with, to say, hey, are the solutions that we're providing for someone struggling this way something that leads them to flourishing or something that takes them on a path of destruction?
1: Yeah, and even to— help us show compassion to those who are struggling with this, those who are in this spot, is the the, the water that these people drink, like these, especially younger people where uh, transgender is most predominant, is they, they grow up hearing that this. they make their own world. They figure out their own journey. They they figure out their pace in this world and they can do whatever they want. Yeah. And, and we even push that in some extent. Um, and they're, they're taking that to an extreme for sure. But Like to be compassionate. They're they're looking at this world like this is mine to conquer. This is mine to figure out. And this is their way of trying to say, Hey, this is how I'm gonna figure it out. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, and I think it really is helpful to be reminded that we all do this to some extent. Yeah. Um, that if there's anything that you hear from this podcast, it's not an us versus them.
1: Exactly. In
0: any way. It's us saying we are struggling sinners, trying to find our identity and all kinds of things. Luckily. Crisis opened our eyes and told us who we are, and we want to be telling the world who they are and who they can be in Christ, because that's the hope.
1: Yeah, and that's and and that, that's what we're that's what this is is the Christianity is what we're doing. Be and is we're coming back with no objective truth with, with, with just how different that we are in. Like it's just like one of us are living in the water, one of us are living on land. Um, we actually need to share a whole story that's different. And so yeah, we need, to, we need to take back. And how we engage with people, and we need to share the story of Christianity, uh, which this book will go into. The story of Christianity has a better story on this issue.
0: Um, yeah. In the the end of this chapter, closes with something that I think is really helpful. Go for it. In that the different gospels speak of different things that lead to fulfillment and freedom, and so one of the important things to recognize is that the Christian gospel has something different to say about liberation and freedom.
1: Mm. Go, go go more into that.
0: So. I think what's helpful is that the world says that liberation and freedom comes through self-expression Yeah, and liberation and freedom through the gospel, like is a submission to who God is making us to be in recognizing we're not that yet, meaning like we are saved and in him, but we still struggle and there are still aspects of this world, this fallen world that are challenges and we await him in the midst of that. We await for his coming, which obviously the book's going to talk about, but like we are in the already, but not yet as believers. And so we're seeing the tension of like my body wants things that aren't yeah, true, that, that aren't good for me.
1: And that's why Christ tells us to deny, you want to follow me, deny yourself, pick up your cross and come after me. It's yeah. not self-expression, it's self-denial in some way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's saying that, man, Jesus is the definer yeah. of me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I just want to close it. I want to leave, as we go into our week, as we're thinking about this book, as we're applying it um, to our life, one um, English theologian, he said, evangelism is one hungry man telling another hungry man where to find bread. Yeah. So when we're engaging with transgenders, as we're engaging with a worldview that's so different, let us remember that we too are hungry men who have found bread, mm-hmm. and we just wanna engage with these people. We wanna love these people to show them also where they can find bread. Yeah. And that bread is the bread of life. The Lord Christ Jesus who has come to save us from our sins, to liberate us from the bondage of sin and the devil, and who we have the hope forever and eternity with. And we, can get, we live in the now and not yet seeking to be faithful day in and day out because Christ has been faithful to us Mm -hmm. and he continues to be the faithful and just one who washes away of our sins and brings us deeper and deeper into relationship with him. Mm.
0: Thank you so much, Ben. Thank you for that encouragement. Uh, We hope you join us for chapters three and four next week. We're so grateful for your guys' time and we pray that you live faithful lives, pointing others to the ultimate one, Jesus Christ.